Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. One more time at SixNation.com. And I apologize. I missed my yesterday's show because I was just simply overwhelmed. So my apologies to the uh, the masses. That being said, let's jump in today. Um, Kirby Road, but I think it's something that needs to be talked about. It's called Racism, Failed Leadership, Poverty, um, and, and why the two choices for president are so radically different and why the past should be measured when looking at our future. So let's, uh, let's, let's slow this down and deal with some pieces. One, racism. You know that, 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 that word we never, ever, ever want to talk about. We don't want to confront. We don't want to deal with. Here's the problem. In writing things like immigration reform or writing things like criminal justice reform, education reform, these, there, there is an underlying cultural issue that we need to address, and it's called racism in America. Now, it's not maybe the old school of the public hatred or shove in a corner or back of the bus or different bathrooms or drinking faucets, all that kind of stuff. Today, it's more subtle. It's more entrenched. And I guess if you can picture like the glass ceiling that hangs over people, there are little, little spots in, in our structure governmentally that we have unfortunately spent trillions we have unfortunately, quote-unquote, tried to fix the problem. I'll get back to that in a second. And it hasn't moved the needle. It really hasn't. Let's talk about just inner-city poverty, racial poverty, for a, uh, or minority poverty, as a simple example of. You can spend trillions. You can work on it for decades. You can talk the good talk. But if you're going to spend trillions and their level of poverty doesn't go up, become better, get addressed, have more opportunity. If you haven't cracked some new doors open to allow them to walk out of poverty into a better place, I'm just going to make the statement that's pretty obvious. What you're doing isn't working. I think both sides could agree to that. Now, you're going to get radically different views on how to go fix it. I had a show a while back about the uh, National Urban League and how they kind of they had a premise, which I agree with, and they had some goals, which I agree with. And their solution, a lot of if you read through it, is <coughs> big government solving the problem. But part of what the article read was we spent trillions over decades and didn't move the needle. So aren't you kind of saying that what we've done hasn't worked, but let's do more of the same? So that got a little confusing for me, because we have two candidates on the table to deal with things like this. We'll get that in a minute. Let's shift gears. Let's deal with criminal justice for a minute. One out of three black men will absolutely go to jail in his lifetime. Now, does that seem like a fair ratio? Does that seem to make sense to anybody, meaning, so you're telling me that one out of three 
black individuals who are male are just born evil. They're just they just need to be put away. They need to go to jail. Really? I don't think that's I don't think that's at all remotely close to being true. I don't think that's that's a rational premise. So something is underlying the end game of that. Now, we're not going to get all willy wonky into Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter, police versus etc. But there is in that relationship some racism going both directions. There's some need for clarity and better communication and absolutely in how those relationships are fostered and nurtured and the core belief on both sides that not all African-American males are criminals by default and not all police are racial killers by default. The premise of the United States is we're a nation of laws. If we're a nation of laws, then the people who enforce those laws have a twofold obligation. Well, one's an obligation, one's an obligation from us. One is they're obligated to protect and serve us, not to kill us. Number two, we have an obligation as a society to respect the very badge they wear. They're there to protect and serve us. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship by design. Here's the problem. If the outcome forces a reaction, you need to kind of go back and deal with the outcome to not get the reaction. But it takes two sides. So part of criminal justice reform, if you drop all the way through the, the wonkiness and the money spent and the structure pieces and the fix-it, there's an underlying racial piece or a cultural piece within the minority community to perceive police differently and the need for police to be perceived differently. There's a need for police to be educated or, or developed to have a more current way of interacting and dealing and approaching. But there's also another piece of it, and this gets a little tricky. I'm not someone who tells other people what to do. I'm not someone who judges others. But part of me, when I was getting into the whole criminal justice piece and doing some research, asked a, a series of questions. If one out of four African-American children is born to two parents as opposed to a single mom, aren't you kind of creating a lack of role model? Aren't you kind of creating an insecurity piece? If in inner city poverty hasn't moved, don't you think they don't have a lot of mentors and role models or options available? If inner cities or the gangs are in mass and they need to bond with other males and be supported by other males, isn't that an appealing choice, especially given the lack of options? If the glass ceiling is very low because they can't get a good quality education, they don't get exposed to business, they don't have other paths, they have a few options on the table that look enticing. 
I'm going to become a superstar athlete, make millions. I'll go into hip-hop, I'll make millions. I'll go in the, dr- in, the, in the drug or the criminal piece of it to make my way. And if you repeat this generation, generation, generationally, you end up with a really, really festering bad outcome. So you need to change the path of what was to get us to a point of dealing with a better future, a brighter tomorrow. And I'll go back to the National Urban League. My response to the National Urban League is, we're premises great, and I agree with the goals, and it's even doable. And there's a few things that we can do from the federal or the state level to enhance but a lot of the core grunt work needs to be done at the local level. Get pastors involved. Get schools involved. Get private partnerships. Get mentoring programs in place. Bring in future business leaders of association into all schools, elementary, middle, and high school, to establish an innovative, empowerment, capitalistic business mindset that opens the door. Get people educated on the Small Business Administration's opportunities for minorities. We have programs specifically designed to open up that door. Capitalism is their way out. Innovation and empowerment would be a wonderful embrace to fixing the lack of jobs. Here's the problem. When get big government burdens us with taxes, burdens us with regulations, burdens us with bu- uh, bureaucracies, it squashes innovation. It squashes small business development. It squashes that empowerment. So the very people we put in office to solve our problems absolutely become part of the very problem itself. It's not a matter of spending trillions. It's a matter of what you spent the trillions on. It's not a matter of leadership talking about it. It's a matter of leadership getting it done. And I'm just going to say this. The fact that we had the first African-American president ever in the United States, I think is a wonderful thing for that group. It's wonderful. What a wonderful ability to look finally and say, hey, listen, we can get there. It is possible. Here's the problem with it, though. Once he got there, why did he take care of, quote-unquote, his own? And I'm not saying he should or should not select people. But it's just very bizarre that the highest unemployment level is in minorities. And the inner-city poverty hasn't changed. You mean he had eight years and couldn't get it done? He doesn't even talk the game anymore, let alone walk the walk. When's the last time he brought in a national coalition of pastors of all religions to unify their message and go charge their congregations to go change the core culture locally? When's the last time he brought in a whole swath of school superintendents and administrators at the local and state level to go send that charge out to their, all their unions and, and people, to go sell that locally and at the state level 
to go fix that issue? When's the last time he revamped education or even thought about revamping education at the state or local level as opposed to just burden us with more regulations and unfunded mandates on regulations and tell us what we can and can't do, ignoring the cultural problem that festers at the local level, specifically at the inner cities. You see where I'm going, right? You can rewrite policy all you want. And here's the and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. When I'm trying to write this criminal justice reform package, two ways to go. And I'm a fan of writing it void of racism or void of referencing race or gender. Because to me, and if you picture this, justice is blind. We've all seen the statue, right? The scales, holding the book, blindfold on, right? Justice should be blind. I didn't say justice is blind. I said justice should be blind. It should have zero difference, zero impact, whether you are male or female. It should have zero impact what religion you are. It should have zero impact what age you are. And it should have zero impact what, in fact, ethnicity you are, what race. Zero. You did the crime, do the time. Didn't say do the crime if you're this category, but don't if you're this category. And I think that's part of our core frustration with the lack of, oh, I'm going to use fairness, but in a loose term, with criminal justice or with inner city poverty. It's kind of rigged against them. If you had crappy education and you live in a crappy neighborhood and you don't have jobs there, you really think that teachers want to go into that environment and raise the bar? Well, you take that job because you can't get one in a better neighborhood in a better school district with a better outcome for yourself. So how do you fix that? How do you go and fix racism with big government? One, I don't think you can. I don't think you can mandate to fix racism. You can incentivize it. You can let time heal. But one of the things you need to do is to shatter the walls that get created and divide us. You can't put walls up between religions, between genders, between races. And no offense. I'm going to say it. The Democrats are pretty shrewd in doing this. I'll get that in a second. They talk about fixing the problem, but what they actually do is to stir the racial pot. They want to stir the gender war. They want to get emotions up. It keeps the energy going because it, one, excites the base to go vote. Number two, it raises money for the coffers of their campaign. Here's the sad part, the fact. In speaking with my congressman, the people in Washington have solutions to issues like this. They have the ability to solve these very problems. Here's the rub, though. Why would they? I I know it sounds like a silly question, but it's true. Why would they? From a personal Selfish, 
money and power hungry position. Why would they want to actually solve the problem? Just by stirring the pot, they get more money donated. Just by stirring the pot, they keep their name out there. They do talk shows. They write books. They have foundations. They do, quote-unquote, great work. Ask yourself this. How come poverty doesn't change, but their wealth goes up? Ask how they have so much time to spend on this, but so little action to go get things actually done. And there's no answer to that short of because the establishments, and that was plural, on both sides tend to protect their own. They tend to do things like protect the money that they raise, the people who donate to their campaigns. They tend to protect and want more power. What do they say? Power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. There's truth in that. And here's the sad truth. All of this bucking and grinding at the establishment level against the change of 2016, the election of 2016, all about change. I want you to think about who's screaming the loudest. The Republican establishment is, is just in arms about Trump because he's rattling it to the very core. The DNC literally worked in collusion with Hillary Clinton to undermine Bernie Sanders' change campaign. The people wanted Bernie, but the establishment wanted Hillary. And they did everything, legal and illegal, to go make that happen. The Republicans did the same thing on their side in a different version of their money. First, they wanted so-and-so. He dropped out. They wanted so-and-so. He dropped out. Then they just started attacking Trump head-on from the RNC level, and they couldn't get it done. So the change on one side overwhelmed the establishment and still has the Republicans in a tizzy. Bernie Sanders on the other side, for whatever reasons he decided, folded tent, capitulated, and tossed in with Hillary against the better wishes of the very people that he inspired and passionately directed to go move for change. So where does that put us? It put us at a fork in the road. This is still the election for 2016. At the presidential level, there are only two viable options. You can, you can play woulda, coulda, shoulda all you want. Cruz is not there. McMullen is not viable. Stein and Johnson are irrelevant. That's not anything against those people personally. It's just simply the way the system works for now. You can work to change the system, but for now, for today, for the next 80-something days through November 8th election, you need to understand there's two horses, pick one, or choose to stay home and take whatever happens. There isn't a viable option besides the two. So now, which of the two is better for what we're talking about today, for things like racism, for leadership, for poverty? And it's going to surprise you, because here's the unfortunate truth. What you need to do, you've heard of a filter, right? Put a filter on your, 
your faucet at your sink, it fills out particles. Only the good stuff comes through, right? Sometimes we have noise filters, so we can kill the background noise so the sound comes through our phone or something like that more clear. Super, great. When it comes to the two leaders, quote-unquote leaders, candidates, we'll call them, both of them highly flawed. I'm just going to put that one out there as a statement of fact. I think both sides would agree to that. I don't care which side you're on. There's no version. Our candidate is great and perfect. Yours is horrific. When it comes to flawed or not flawed, we're all agreed. Okay. That being said, we have two personalities and flawed candidates. Screen out as best you can the personality piece and the flawed piece. Cut through that crap, because in the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Do you care about your president's personality, or do you care about what your president does for you to make your world a better place? Do you care about their flaws, or do you care about how they're going to get it done for you? Do you care about the lies and the overstatements, the bombastic personalities, you know, or the, or the, or the health concerns? Or do you compare, do you just, just look at it directly and say, how is their election going to serve or not serve what's important to me and all of us, the voting electorate? need to make that personal decision. If you make it on emotion because of personality, if you make it on, oh, I've always voted for this party, if you make it on, I'm not going to vote for anybody because they're flawed people, I think you're making a horrific mistake. And I can't say that enough. One, we have a wonderful country. It's exceptional. It's the number one superpower, number one people that want to come to on the planet, number one place. That being said, you have a wonderful right to go vote and exercise that, 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 that privilege, that wonder to, through a collective vote, put someone in office that we believe holds a brighter future for us. Let's talk about that future for a second. We're dealing with race, with poverty, with failed leadership. You have two candidates. Here's the sum. Her history defines her. She believes in bigger government, higher taxes. She believes in the status quo. It's the same thing, different day, if that's your candidate. Let's think about what we just talked about. Inner city poverty, the needle has not moved for decades after spending trillions. You cannot get away from that fact. The status quo has not served them well. She wants to raise taxes. She wants to increase regulation. She wants to burden our economy more, which will kill jobs. That's a fact. You cannot do that. It will kill sole proprietorship creations, job creation through them. It will kill corporate jobs because they will simply keep going offshore to get away from the tax revenue that she'll want to collect from them. They'll move overseas because the overwhelming regulations they're facing, both out and in Obamacare, is too oppressive. It's just not viable. 
And the more they go overseas, the less they'll come back. The more overseas, the less jobs we have here. The less jobs we have, we, less jobs we have here, the worse poverty becomes. But that's okay with her because it feeds into what she wants, which is everyone getting a piece from the government because that's the only piece they can get. The sad part is that's actually government oppression. It puts everyone who takes a little something in a position that they can't give it up. And that slippery slope starts right down and kills the innovation, empowerment, and future of generations. And none of big government deals with the racism, poverty issue in reality. So what's left? We've got Trump. He put out his economic plan. It's to excite the economy. It's to lower taxes. It's to kill regulations. Now, I want you to understand something. To you, that might not matter because you can't get a job right now to begin with. But a better economy raises all boats. Rising tide raises all boats, right? So what you need to understand is a better economy means jobs start to grow. And as economy grows, more job openings are created. If we target this acceleration of the economy and specifically design private and public partnerships at the local level attacking inner city poverty, if we deal with the racism at a local level and encourage partnerships between police and minority communities, if we get into the cultural roots of it all and deal with the value of marriage, the value of mentoring, the value of role models, the reestablishment of the importance of family and commitment, that you're a baby daddy does not make you a dad. 90 seconds of a good time has a lifetime of responsibility attached for it, and that needs to be absolutely beaten on that drum at the local level. You can't mandate it, but you need to sell the message so people can stand up, look themselves in the mirror and say, I deserve better, my kids deserve better, and if I'm a female, my children will deserve better, so I'm going to think differently. And you've got to unwind that generational repetition. That will not happen overnight. It will happen over time. But this is all related. If you want same day or different day, same Results. If you believe that poverty continuing is good for you, if you believe that racism continuing is good for you, then you're going to vote Clinton. If you need to make a change, to make a difference, if you need to take a little bit of a different approach, see, people think that Donald Trump is a racist and a bigot. I completely disagree with you. I think he thinks about solutions void of racism and bigotry. That's what comes across so awkward. We're just so used to politicians saying it in a veil not to offend anyone. He just says, this is what I want to do because we'll all be better off. All be better off. He wants to enforce the wall and the borders. That sounds like crazy talk against Hispanics. It's not. He wants to ban Muslims until he can vet them to come to America. That's not anything against Muslims overall. He doesn't want terrorists in our country. He wants to protect Americans first. That's all Americans. That's every gender, every race, every religion. But we have to make some adjustments to the 2016 time frame we're in to better off our world. You cannot 
just continue flushing people in from an immigration standpoint, roll the dice on national security, which is the number one concern for all Americans this year, which also devalues minimum wage and the middle income. It's forcing more poverty and devaluing wages while you put us at risk. That's the current agenda. And no offense to anybody, it's not working. It's true at Main Street. Why do you think Wall Street and establishment money and foreigners are the biggest backer of Hillary Clinton? Why is the top 2% so in love with her? Why are the grassroots people the only people behind Trump right now? Because the money and the power at the top is scared of losing what they already have. They want to keep that. They want to protect that at all costs. They don't care about me and you. They care about keeping theirs. Here's the sad part. We need to update America. We need to reset some things. We need a lot of reforms for this country because what we do, a lot of things, don't work very well anymore. And it's going to take a bipartisan, real dialogue and a dealmaker to bring those sides together. The conservatives don't like Trump, and the liberals don't like Trump. That should tell you something. That tells you he's center. It tells you he can reach to both sides and bring masses together to make deals to move the country forward. His mantra is, make America great again. He deserves that chance because what we have is broken. This is FixNation.com. Share the news. God bless.